What's up and welcome to Momentum Online. It is brand new series day, which is one of my favorite days anytime that this comes up. We've got a lot to do today. Let me say welcome really quick to all of you watching in the Chula Vista area. Uh, we love you guys. Those of you who are serving uh, this coming Sunday and you're watching this so you can stay up to date and in the loop and fed by God's word so you can go and serve on a Sunday. Let me say welcome to everyone around the country tuning in from all the various places uh, that you guys find yourselves right now. We love you. We see you. We're glad you're here. Let me also say hey to anybody who's checking us out and going, hey man, I just moved to town or I'm interested in this church. I want to know what they're up to. You guys, we love you. We'd love to see you on a Sunday, but I hope you enjoy your online experience today. As I said, we've got a lot to do. We're going to dive straight into the word today and then I'll make this unchanging Christmas thing makes sense. We've got a big passage in Isaiah today. This is a Jesus passage. This is a Christmas passage prophesied about Jesus 700 years before the first Christmas when Jesus was born. The Holy Spirit was working a plan of salvation through history and the prophet Isaiah speaks up to what it would be like when that plan comes to its fruition in Jesus on the first Christmas. Isaiah 9 verse 2, he starts like this. The people walking in dark have seen a great light on those living in the land of the deep darkness a light has dawned you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy they rejoice before you as people who rejoice at harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder for as in the day of Midian's defeat you shatter the yoke the, uh, the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on for and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish all of this. Let's pray really quick. God, as we open these words, these powerful words about who Jesus is and what he means to us. God, I, I pray Holy Spirit supernaturally for every single person tuning in and watching that you would just awaken our hearts to your goodness and love, that you would open our eyes to see the, the glory and the magnitude of Jesus and what he means to us today and the real hope that we have in him. All that's got to happen by your power at work, God. So do your thing in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll tell you about the series, Unchanging Christmas. Unchanging for us is not a verb. It's not like Christmas has changed and we're going to unchange Christmas. Uh, Christmas. Unchanging Christmas for us, the unchanging is an adjective. We're talking about the way so much in our lives has changed in the last 24 months. I mean, you know this. Last time you had to cough in public, you realized everything had changed. You had that moment where you had the little tickle and you're in the line at the store and there's a lot of people waiting around you and everything in you just needed to go, <clears throat> but you couldn't. You had to hold that thing in and you had to get through your eyes were watering and you didn't want to be that person in that confined space who had to cough really bad, but you had just had something spicy and even though it was spicy, you didn't want to have to make an excuse that, hey, don't worry, it has changed. So much in our lives has changed. 
Work has changed. Education has changed. Morning routines have changed. Exercise has changed. Words have changed. What comes to mind when I say words like delta, distance, six feet, new normal, CDC, and toilet paper has changed. Our collective trust in certain government institutions and appointed officials has changed. Supply chain has changed. Wait times on Amazon have changed. The value of the dollar has changed. But the good news today is that Christmas has not changed. Hear me when I say unchanging Christmas. I'm not talking about your Christmas traditions. You're going to put the same tree up and hang the same ornaments in the same order. You're going to bake the same cookies. You're going to roast the same ham and go over to the same auntie's house on the same Sunday of the last month of November or December or whatever it was. I'm not talking about our traditions. I'm talking about the fact that through history, God launched a plan of redemption and salvation. That plan came to its fruition in a little town, in a little barn, to a little family, in a little manger. A Savior was born, and in Him there is a hope that is still available to us today. And there is no historical event, nothing on the horizon, nothing coming down the pipeline that can change the fact that there is a living hope available to us in Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the hope that He offers you and the real difference He can make in your life and mine is alive and well today. Now listen, i got to warn you, it is not going to be about you today. We're not talking about your life and your things and your responsibilities and what you have to do. We're talking about the unchanging one. We're going to unpack the great description of our Lord and Savior from these prophecies that Isaiah spoke. As I said, it was 700 years before Jesus. This is one of the many things about Jesus that would be said of Him that He would live into in His life on earth. And I'm just going to dive in. We're going to pull these words apart. It says... The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Can I sum it up like this? Jesus is the light of the world. Now it's interesting if you were to go through Matthew and Mark and Luke and a little bit of John and look at their narratives of the Christmas account, you'll see that one of the themes of the first Christmas was light. You might be familiar with the shepherds that were in the field and the angels that show up to announce the birth of Jesus. And it says, the glory of the Lord was shining around these angels. Magi came from the east and they followed a star and its light. John would say, as he summarizes what he experienced in Jesus at his first chapter, Jesus has come and it says, in him was life in John 1.4. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus would go from baby to man. He would grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And he would grow and eventually say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have 
the light of life. Let's make sense of this. Bit, I promised you a good story, and I want to just explain something to you. Becoming a dorky dad is not something that you intend to do. It's something that happens to you. You don't wake up one day and the New Balance Monarchs start looking good, but one day you find yourself in them. And it's starting to happen to me, and I've decided to just roll with it. I have this little grill that I keep out in the backyard, and uh, it's one of those classic Webers, which is like a classic dad move, the black flying saucer grill with some tongs that you click before you cook anything. And, and it sits back in the yard so it doesn't burn down the house if something were to happen. And so anyways, I go back and forth between me and the grill and the house and the grill. I'm cooking side dishes on the stove on the inside and running back and forth out to the grill. And the kids have played more and more in the backyard recently for some reason. And so it's just become full of obstacles. I have this obstacle course that exists between my back door and where the grill usually sits. And, and it came to a head a few weeks ago. Because I was busy cooking and I was making a few things happen on the grill, I'm walking in and out and I hear a crunch, but I don't have time to think about the crunch. I walk out to the grill, I go back and work on the side dishes and I'm cooking and I'm working and then all of a sudden I hear my wife Britt from behind me go, what, what is that? I'm like, what are you talking about? I look behind me to see that I have coated the entire kitchen floor with some unknown substance. So we do some investigation and I realize that the kids decided to leave their chalk out between the grill and the house. And when I crunched, I had destroyed a whole clump of chalk and wove it into every groove in my shoe and, and tracked it all over the kitchen. And now we've got this mess on our hands. And so something had to be done about this. And I said, don't worry, babe, this will never happen again. Because I got this sweet headlamp. And I mean, this thing is brilliant. I never thought in a million years, you know how many jokes I've made about headlamp guys? You'd see them at the campsite working with the headlamp or you'd see them doing their thing with the headlamp. But can I tell you something? The headlamp is practical. And you can say what you want about the headlamp, but here's the truth. I don't have to walk in darkness anymore. Now go to Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will what? Never walk in darkness. Do you know what this light of the world thing means? It means you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. I want to invite you to do a little exercise with me. I want you to think for a minute about what your life was truly like before Christ shined his light on you. Think for a moment about the things you did for attention, the things you did to fit in, the things you did to earn the affection you were craving, the people you woke up next to. And pause for a minute. And let me just ask you, aren't you so glad you don't have to walk in darkness anymore? Young people watching, I'll tell you this, you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. 
You don't have to, no matter what your family pattern has been and what was modeled for you, or parents went to church or did not go to church, they lived a good godly life or they did not live a good godly life, maybe they lived the opposite of one and you are still dealing with the things that have happened to you from them. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter. You can choose today to live your life in the light. You don't have to wait till you're 30 and you're trying to settle down and have a family. You don't have to wait till college is done. You could live a life in the light starting today. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the light of the world. Let me just continue. It says, in Jesus there's victory. Now i got to admit, I almost skipped this section of the passage because I was reading these words. Let me just read them to you again. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke of burdens on them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle. Okay, what is he talking about here? And I thank God for David Guzik from Enduring Word. Let me take this Bible study tip. Enduring Word. Enduring Word. You could open up another tab if you're on a browser right now. Check out Enduring Word. Anytime I don't know a passage or what they're talking about, you can go there because he has commentary on every passage of the Bible. And Guzik explains that these words are the writer calling up a bunch of past victories from Israel's history. Midian's defeat, that was when the book of Judges, God raised up this warrior named Gideon to liberate his people. Dividing the plunder would talk about times of battle and the move into the promised land. This is them calling up times of great victory. If you're a San Diego sports fan, it would be very similar to going, gosh, do you guys remember the Chargers' heyday? Not, not when they deserted us, but before that, when they had LaDamian Tomlinson and he would put on that face mask and they had the black visor on it and he would just run through people for a game. Or do you remember in the 90s when Tony Gwynn had the World Series run? Or do you remember when the San Diego soccer team, the loyal, got Landon Donovan? Just kidding, nobody cares about the soccer team. I feel like I got to honor my sports fans and say we got to also mention Kawhi at San Diego State. We got to also mention Marshall Falk at San Diego State. But you remember these sweet times of victory and, and, and what the writer is doing is going, you remember those days? That victory has nothing on the victory that's going to be offered in Jesus Christ. In Jesus there is victory. What do I mean? Well, it's as simple as this. At the center of your life and mine is a battle that we cannot win on our own. It doesn't matter if you're uh, with Jesus, Jesus follower, new to Jesus, checking out church, looking for answers. There is a battle at the center of your life you cannot win on your own. And it is a battle against your own sin, failures, and rebellion. You can't fix that about you. You can fake that about you. You can try and clean it up from the outside in. You can manage it for a little while, but you can't win that on your own. That is a victory that is only found in Jesus and His finished work on a cross. You won't transform you. You won't heal you. You won't fix you 
apart from a life that is found in Him. He is our victory. Not just in, in, in some battle against sin, but in our battle for a life of significance. I love the Rocky series. I joke because this is one of the only three movies to make me cry in my life. But if you remember the first Rocky, there's this scene where Rocky is walking around the auditorium, the stadium, with the, he's in the ring and by himself and contemplating his first fight against Apollo Creed. And he comes back to Adrian and he talks to her about how he doesn't think he can win, but his goal is to go the distance. And then he goes, because then everyone will know I'm not just another bum from the block. And here's why that clip lands for me. There is a part of me and a part of you that wants to show everyone that we're not just another bum from the block. We want to have a life of substance. You want to be important. You want to know your life counts for something. But here's the truth. That kind of significance is only found in Jesus. It simply is. Because all the awards you earn, they're, they're going to be given to somebody else one day. The beauty is going to fade. And the records will be broken by somebody else. And one day, the only thing that will count is what you found in Jesus. In Him, there's victory. Oh man, I love verse 6. It says, For us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. All those words come together. It's overwhelming for a pastor because each one of these could be a different sermon. I mean, there's next year's Christmas series. He's a Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, an Everlasting Father. He is the Prince of peace. Bookmark that. Just underline those. You could sit on those for a while, but they're coming together to say one thing about Jesus. It's simply this. Jesus is in tune and in control. He's a wonderful counselor. He's in tune with what is going on in your life. You ever go to somebody for counsel or just to confide in them and they just totally miss you? You're pouring your heart out to them and you're sharing what it is you're going through and they try and respond, but then you just get a sense that they have no clue what it is to be like you in this moment. Or even worse, you go to somebody and you're trying to share something with them and they just say, oh, well, I'll tell you what you should do. And they go into advice mode and, well, here's the problem and this happened three weeks ago and if you would have done this back then, then this wouldn't be here. But here's what, you're like, I know. I know what I need to do. I'm looking for somebody who gets me. It's saying Jesus is in tune. He gets you. He's empathetic. He didn't sit distant in heaven and watch. He got down into humanity, into the grit and the pain, and He knows what it is you're going through, and He's in control. He is a mighty God. Every last cell in your body is being held together by His creative force. Everything in the universe is doing exactly what it needs to do right now because of the mighty power of Jesus. He is in control and He is in tune with your life. Now let's go back to this other phrase in the passage. If we go back to verse 6 here, we get these words, and the government will be on His shoulders. 
I think it's an important time for us to sit on those words for a minute because I've got right-leaning friends, I've got left-leaning friends, and everything in between, and I ain't met anybody who's satisfied with the way things are going in our government. And this passage is troublesome for me because it says that the government will be on his shoulders. I take that to mean Jesus is going to put the team on his back and something about his life and what he has done is supposed to make it better for us in the realm of government. What are we doing here, Jesus? Where are you? And a writer I discovered this week said it so well. He writes on the government of Jesus and he says this, What might such a government look like? First of all, it would look like its king. Politicians of this day look for what they can get from you. Jesus looks for what he can do for you. Leaders of this day surround themselves with servants. Jesus surrounds himself with servanthood. Leaders of this day use their power to build an empire. Jesus uses his power to wash our feet and make us clean and comfortable. Leaders of this day trade their influence for money. God so loved that he gave. Generals of this day need regular wars to keep their weapons and skills up to date and ensure their own advancement. Jesus brings peace and rest to hearts. The higher the plane of importance one reaches in this world, the more inaccessible he becomes. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. Leaders of this day are desperate to be seen and heard. Jesus sought anonymity so he could be useful. Obviously, Jesus is not in charge of the halls of Washington, London, Moscow, Baghdad, Paris, or Bonn. So how can we ever believe that the government will be upon his shoulders? Actually, his government shows its workings in wonderful ways. Whenever I see somebody who miraculously leaves a life of drugs or alcohol and is restored to their family, I can see that they are now governed by God. Whenever I see loving Christians gently caring for orphans and those rejected by family, I know I am watching people who are governed by God. Whenever I see Democrats and Republicans receiving communion and worshiping together, I know who their governor is. Whenever I see people giving their hard-earned resources sacrificially and joyfully simply to share the good news of Jesus, I know that they are governed by God. When I see adults give up their precious time to teach young ones the love of Jesus, I know they are getting their signals from a great king. When I see people leave family to teach in distant lands because, of the love they, uh, because they love people who have not heard of the love of Jesus, I know that they are governed by God. So indeed... The government is alive and working, often silently, mostly unseen. We can be and are, by choice, governed by God. Hope and joy and peace and rest cover its subjects. Justice, mercy, and grace amazingly coexist. I like this kingdom. The borders are open. Come on and last words of the day, in Jesus there's peace. Verse 7, of, his, the, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He is the Prince of Peace. And oh, do not underestimate how different his peace is than the peace that the world has to offer. The vision of peace off, that the world offers is a vacation somewhere nice, a 
driving a nice car with the windows open on a beautiful day or a day at the spa or a quiet book. But the problem with that piece is it's always fleeting. It comes and it goes. And then you stop, then you land right back in a world where people lose their jobs and depression happens. Babies are colicky. You go through that divorce. Your parents get divorced. The doctor says it's cancer. The girlfriend says she doesn't love you. You find yourself worrying and you cannot stop because the peace that the world has to offer is fleeting. But Jesus offers a better peace. I can share it like this. My, my youngest, my son, is five. He's bare and he's scared of the dark. And... It really has become an interruption in our household, but I can't hold it against him because he got it from me. I was that kid who would turn the lights off at the bottom of the stairs and go sprinting up the stairs because there's nothing but darkness until you reach that next switch. He got it from me, but the interruption comes when it's time for him to go up to bed and we need him to go brush his teeth by himself or if he has to do something up in the dark by himself, he cries and he says, I can't. But there are four words that change things every time. I'll go with you. And he has everything he needs. And friends, I just want to tell you that's a picture of the peace that Jesus has to offer. He offers you an I'll go with you peace. And it doesn't fade. It's not temporary or fleeting. It is the reality that no matter what comes your way, you cannot be separated from the empowering presence of Jesus. And it's unchanging. He'll go with you. And when you have Him, you simply have everything. So let me summarize. In Him there's light. There's victory, there's peace, there's strength. But here's what you need to know. To live the life, you have to die the death. You want the light and victory and peace and strength. It can't be about you anymore. Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. What does that mean? It means you lay down the pen and give it to Jesus so he can write the rest of the script for your life. It means it's not about you anymore. It's about him. It is about finding life in Jesus. And when you do so, oh, you find light. You find victory, strength, and peace. But to live the life, you got to die the death. How do we do that? Well, it's two things. One, you need to have a make it real moment with Jesus. A time, specifically, when you would give your life to Him. We're going to do that in a moment. And two, you need to tell someone. Because truth be told, the next step is baptism. You need to talk to somebody who can walk with you and help you find out how to do that. We'd love to do that here at Momentum. All you got to do is email info at MomentumSanDiego.com. But as we finish, I just want to offer you, no matter where you're at, that make it real moment. As you're fade 
died and dimmed down over the last two years. And it's time to come back. Did that light and that peace once seem so real to you and now they're just vague little sparks and embers in the bottom of what used to be a fire? Or is this what you've been looking for? And you found this video two days. You can make it real with Jesus no matter where you're at. I want to invite you to join me as we pray. God and Father, we see who you are. We see what you gave us in Jesus. We see that the peace and light and strength and victory he offers are so much better than anything that we could go and make for ourselves. And so today we're just saying, Jesus, we need you. We trust you. And I'm giving you my life. Jesus, I give you my life today. I trust you. God, we want you to take it. We want the peace and the light and the life that are found in Jesus today. Amen. I love you guys. Got more unchanging Christmas coming the rest of this month. Love you. Have a great week. We'll be right back here next week. Peace.